Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Poku. We welcome you to this episode as we discuss the Bible um, in its essence in terms of how to read the Bible for all it's worth. And we've settled the fact that uh, the Bible is the inspired word of God. Um, there's a book that I enjoy reading thoroughly, and it's the book by uh, Dr. Norman Geisler, the late Dr. Norman Geisler, and it talks about from God to us, from God to us, and really that's what it is. The Bible is God's words to humanity, whereby uh, we can restore our fractured relationship due to the reality of the fall which occurred in in the garden. Uh, There's a need for restoration. Uh, there's a need for appropriation. There's a need for redemption. And the barter or the answer uh, to appease God is the precious blood of the Lamb. And so it's important that we know God's will for our life. And that's what the Bible gives us. The Bible gives us our purpose, where we all came from. Uh, the Bible uh, gives a clear perspective on why there's so much sin, why there's so much evil, uh, why there's so much fracture uh, between relationships. The Bible lets us know that there is a God. There's a genuine God. When he identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what he's basically telling us is I'm the same God that was with Abraham. I'm the same God that was with Isaac, and I'm the same God that was with Jacob. The same God which was with Moses as he crossed the Red Sea through miraculous means is the same God that was with Joshua when he uh, crossed the Jordan River. And the reason why there's a parallel uh, uh, miracle in this case of Moses as well as Joshua, is because God wanted to demonstrate to the generation uh, that was being led by Joshua that I am the same God. And if you compare the two miracles, you'll see that it is basically identical. And I want you all to know that if you follow me, that if you walk by faith and not by sight, that you fulfill my commandments, and carry out the marriage covenant that uh, he and Israel had at the foot of Mount Sinai, you too can be delivered like I delivered Moses, and you too can be delivered as I delivered Joshua. So the Bible is full of uh, interesting facts. It's full of uh, historical facts. Uh, It's full of prophecy. The Bible is a wonderful book. If you would only pick it up, And not only read it, but consider the PIC, 
the principles, the instructions, the commandments, if you would just consider that, the principles of the Bible, the instructions from the Bible, the commandments from God himself. And if we will become doers and not just readers only, if we would implement what the Bible is telling us, many of us would be further along. If we would just through faith walk out and start living the Christian precepts, the biblical precepts, if we will allow God to reign over our lives, many of us would be the better for it. So as I look at the Bible, I think about uh, scriptures such as, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle in no wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore should break one of these least commandments and shall teach the men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever should do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew five seventeen through 20. So the New Testament uh, is peppered with many allusions to Old Testament passages. And if we are to understand the allusions uh, of the Old Testament in light of the New Testament, it will benefit uh, all of us as we follow God. Amen. As we follow God. And as we uh, look at it as an example, the allusions, if you look at the prophet Elijah, who's mentioned at least 30 times in the New Testament, uh, in order to properly interpret the passages dealing with Elijah, we must uh, look at it from the Old Testament. So when we look at the New Testament and you read stories about Elijah or, or someone is mentioning Elijah, is designed for you to go back into the Old Testament to find out what Elijah did. So Matthew eleven fourteen, as an example, um, is, is a passage for you to consider when you're talking about Elijah. Matthew 16 and 14 um, mentions Elijah. So there's something going on, and it's up to us to investigate. It's up to us to go back to these passages dealing with Elijah to find out what happened so we can better understand the remarks being made in the New Testament. The New Testament, as we said before, is composed of 27 books, or if you want to call them letters, that's fine. Uh, and, and as we look at the breakup of the New Testament, we find that Paul uh, wrote 14 of the letters. John has five books attributed to him. Luke has two books attributed to him. Peter has two books attributed to him. Matthew has one. Mark has one. James has one. Jude has one. As we look at the New Testament, it's broken up into various books. And again, it's important to know the theme of each book. And if you desire to know the themes, you can email us at info at srministries.org, and we can make sure that we email a copy to you 
Uh, so if you want the themes of the scriptures or the, or the Bible, uh, you can email us at info at srministries.org, and we will email one to you. So it's a wonderful collection of inspired writings from God. We're talking about the New Testament. So the Bible itself informs us that the words contained within was inspired by God himself. God is the author. So when we look at, as an example, 2 Timothy 3, chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, it says all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped, for every good work, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. God is the one using uh, the power that he has uh, to instruct the writers of the New Testament. He is responsible for the words found in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. The diverse nature of each letter points us to Jesus and his ministry of reconciliation. And I love that uh, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is able to preserve his words for us to use even in modern times. So we do have what uh, God intends for us to have. We know God's will, God's message, 100%. Um, We know uh, God's message in terms of salvation, what's required. We know that. So God is the one who authored the Bible. Now, some have argued that the Old Testament records, uh, uh, what was to come, in contrast, the New Testament is the record of the fulfillment of the illusions found in the Old Testament. So each letter or book was written to communicate a message about God. The letters of the New Testament were all written within the first century A.D. In order to understand the letters of the New Testament, we must ask the following questions. What is the message being communicated to the intended audience. What is the message being communicated to the intended audience? And I said this on the previous episode. When we're trying to interpret scripture, our first question is not, what does the passage mean to me? That's not the first question that ought to be asked. Now, that question will be asked, but it's not the first question that ought to be asked. When when you're reading scripture, the first question that ought to be asked is, what is the message being communicated by the writer to the intended audience? Amen. What is the message by the writer that's being communicated to the intended audience at that time? What is he trying to communicate? So once that's been established, then the next question is, is it prescriptive or descriptive? Is the passage prescriptive or descriptive? And descriptive means that uh, it's a one-time occurrence. Whatever you're reading is not designed to be emulated or duplicated by modern-day Christians. So I'll give you an example. When Moses parts the Red Sea, that is a descriptive narrative. Is not intended for you to go on the shores of whatever sea or river that you are close to and attempt to duplicate this, this miracle. It's a, it's a descriptive text. It's not designed for all uh, believers to attempt to uh, emulate 
or to duplicate that event is descriptive. It's describing a narrative not intended for uh, other people to duplicate. Then you have passages that are prescriptive. So, for example, when we read 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, pray without ceasing. We know that it's prescriptive, meaning that it's intended for all Christians to follow, regardless of what era you're born in. Everybody ought to pray. And don't stop praying. Pray often. And we find uh, other passages in the Bible that backs up uh, praying. Praying is, is an essential part to the believer, and it's an essential part to enhancing your faith level. So we ought to always pray. It's binding upon all Christians, and that is called a prescriptive text, meaning that everybody supposed to uh, emulate it. Everybody's supposed to do it versus a descriptive text, which is just to describe an event. So even in the book of Acts, when the, uh, the apostles are uh, healing people uh, with inanimate objects such as handkerchiefs, it's not designed for everybody to go and get a handkerchief and, and, and attempt to heal people with this handkerchief because you read it in the book of Acts. That is a descriptive text. Uh, now, if, uh, um, the thing about miracles also is miracles are not, are not man-induced. Man does not initiate miracles. When God uh, wants to perform a miracle, it's his prerogative if he's going to do it directly or he's going to use uh, uh, someone to carry out the miracle. So it's God that determines whether or not a miracle is, uh, or a miraculous event is going to occur. So we don't dictate to God. I'm going to heal this person. I'm going to heal that person. God is the initiator. So you can go buy all the handkerchiefs you want. If God is not initiating this miraculous event, then it's not going to happen. It's not going to be authentic. So um, there's numerous passages in the book of Acts that uh, talks about events that happened in the first century as God was establishing the church, and he did some miraculous things in the lives of the apostles. That's, uh, many of them are not designed to be duplicated in modern era. So, yes, miracles exist. Yes, God still performs signs and wonders. That's not the issue. The issue is, are these events uh, designed to be prescriptive or descriptive? They were raising up uh, uh, people from the dead. God can still do that if he wants to, but again, it's not designed or intended. The, uh, the doctrine is not saying that every believer that have, that have a fervent faith can go around uh, raising people from the dead. Miracles and signs and wonders are initiated by God. So number two, the question we need to ask when we try to interpret the scripture is the, is the message descriptive or prescriptive? We just went over that. Number three, if it is prescriptive, then what is the universal meaning or message, right? If it's prescriptive, meaning that it's binding for all believers, what is the message that God wants us to have about it? What is it? What is that message, right? When, when the Bible talks about love your enemies, that's not just for one person. It's for all of humanity. That's a descriptive text. When I say all of humanity, I'm, I'm talking about believers. And also uh, 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 the world second, 
believers first, the world second. So love your enemies, that's for everybody. It's not an easy thing to uh, digest, but it's for everybody. That's a prescriptive text. And one thing about prescriptive text, which means that all believers are supposed to follow, prescriptive texts often have other passages to corroborate uh, the doctrine. One of the uh, toughest things, especially with, with, with Scripture, is when individuals cite a passage, take it out of context, and try to uh, force-feed it into other passages, meaning that they find an isolated passage and try to create a doctrine around it. That is bad hermeneutics. It is bad hermeneutics to use one passage and then try to create a whole theology behind it. It's also important to understand that the New Testament uh, was written in the Greek language, Um, and in the Greek culture, understanding the setting as it relates to culture, as it relates to religion, as it relates to politics and language will help you to better understand and glean the message that the writers are trying to convey to the intended audience. So again, the reality is when the apostles wrote uh, the letters that they wrote, uh, they were under uh, prim- primarily uh, Roman uh, leadership, Roman governors. Then secondly, uh, secondly, they also had to deal with uh, the governance of um, the Jewish custom and council, the religious council. And um, they also had to deal with uh, Hellenism. Uh, this is a Greek influence um, that, that was very popular in the first century. So as they're writing these letters, they're taking all of these facts into account. Uh, this is why when you, when you read the New Testament, you find names of uh, Roman soldiers and you find names of Roman emperors uh, because they were writing in real time. And uh, even though they was writing in real time, the Bible is not restricted to time and culture. There's a prescriptive message that transcends the first century, meaning that all of us as believers are to glean something uh, from what they wrote. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, oftentimes you hear the word synoptic, synoptic. Uh, Those are the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And you may be asking yourself, what does the word synoptic mean? Um, and, and by the way, uh, it's spelled S-Y-N-O-P-T-I-C, S-Y-N-O-P-T-I-C. And that word synoptic means similar, similar. When you read those three Gospels, you find a lot of similarities in, uh, in it. Uh, the fourth Gospel, which is uh, John, is not as similar. It's not as similar. Um, Matthew uh, conveying the theme of Christ the Messianic King. Uh, so when you read his letter, that is his impetus. He's trying to uh, argue the point that Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting on. Mark, Mark highlights Jesus as the suffering servant. Uh, and as, as you read it, Mark is, is quick in his chapters and he gets straight to the point. Uh, but he's highlighting Jesus as the suffering servant. 
And then Luke, same thing. Um, Luke highlights Jesus as the perfect son of man. Um, and, and he's conveying a similar message as Matthew, uh, but uh, he words it a little bit differently based on his audience. And then John, John highlighting the divinity of Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the son of God. Um, he's not like any other. He's holy other. Uh, and, and John uh, is, is a great, it's a great gospel uh, who starts off uh, his writings reminiscent of Genesis uh, chapter 1, where Genesis starts in the beginning, God created both heaven and earth. Uh, John, the writer, picks up on that introduction. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And so he's writing in a way to remind people that the same God that we find in Genesis is the same God that they're dealing with in the New Testament. I'm telling you, the New Testament in uh, the Old Testament that we call the Bible is such a precious treasure. But let's not treat it like any other book that you will find in Barnes and Nobles. Let's, let us not just treat it as another genre. You have to treat it as it's the authentic word of God, which it is. And in it exists life. In it exists the principles that we need to overcome all of life's issues. So it's important that we learn how to read God's Bible for all it's worth. Uh, the book of Acts, written as, as a historical letter by Luke to Theophilus around A.D. 70. Uh, this letter of Acts captures what God did through the apostles in the first century. Uh, Luke accurately records the places the apostles visited on their journey to proclaim the gospel. For example, uh, let, let's look at um, some of these places. Uh, Achaia. Acts 19 and 21, Antipatris, Acts 23, 31, Berea, Acts 17, verses 10 through 13, Clauda, Acts 27, verses 16 through 17, Damascus, Acts 9, verses 1 through 31, Derby, Acts 20 and 4, Galatia, Acts 16 and 6, Lycia, Acts 27, 7 through 8, Melita, Acts 27 and 27, Phrygia, Acts 2, 9 through 11, Salamis, Acts 13, verses 4 through 5, Syria, Acts 18, 18 through 22. So the Bible is historically accurate, and we're going to dive more into it in the next episode, but just know that you can trust the Bible. If the question is, did the apostles um, write the, uh, the Bible as inspired by God? Yes. Do we have what they wrote? Yes. And we want to talk more about it in the next episodes. But we pray that you take your Bible, you start reading it, and not just reading it, you start studying the Bible. And in studying the Bible, it's where God will meet you and edify you. Amen. We pray that you got something out of uh, this episode. And as always, We are thankful for your prayers. We're grateful for your prayers and encouragement. And we still need you to consider becoming a financial sponsor. If you enjoy sound reasoning and if you're being edified, please go to our our website, srministries.org, or you can um, make a donation to SR Ministries, uh, mail to P.O. Box 582-306. 
May you continue to do for the truth what so many do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. Dot com.